Hi, and welcome back to the Grindhouse Girls podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Katie. My co-host is Brittany, and this is a podcast about many strange and spoopy movies. We cover a lot of independent movies and a lot of horror movies, and we do want to caution before starting the podcast that listener discretion is advised, and a lot of subject matter we cover is not appropriate for children and can be quite sensitive. So if that sounds like something that's up your alley, keep on listening. If not, thanks for stopping by and on to the podcast. Hey there, this is Katie. And hi there, I'm Brittany. And this is the Grindhouse Girls podcast. And on this week, we are covering of 2021's currently in theaters, The Green Knight. Yes, it's our first movie in theaters since all hell broke loose in 2020. And actually, this movie was supposed to release in March of 2020. But um, it's one of the, I want to say few, A24 does release big releases, but it's one of their first big releases in a while. And you know how we love A24. We do, yeah. We really, really they do. Good, and this is very interesting. They are. They uh, take on very unique films. Their films are, um, if you know anything about A24 films, they usually take on like horror, thrillers, supernatural, weird, indie. Um, so I feel like as a production company, they're doing things that aren't really mainstream, yet they become mainstream because they're so... A lot of these movies are just so really outrageous that they kind of get a cult yeah. following, a world of, word of mouth following. Um so literally, they Definitely. released a trailer. Yeah, they released a trailer for Lamb. Um, if you guys haven't seen oh, a trailer yes. for Lamb, just just go watch it. You'll know what we're talking about. Yes, it looks so interesting. Um, did you see any before we? I don't have a lot of housekeeping this week. Surprisingly, I have. Uh, if y'all want to see Near Dark, which I talked about last week, it's on Shutter. That's the streaming service. I forgot to say it. Um, but I do, I did watch some things this week. W- what did you watch this week, Britt, other than our fabulous movie that we'll talk about in I, a second? I didn't have a lot of extra time, but I did watch just one thing that I think you're going to be really excited about, Katie. So I finally watched Inside. Um, <gasps> yeah, Bo Which Burnham's I still haven't Inside. gotten to see. Where is it streaming? Ne- Inside on Netflix, Bo Burnham's. You've watched it. Oh, oh, I thought yes, you meant yes. there's a horror movie named Inside. About yes. a pregnant woman who gets attacked. <laughs> and I was like, yes. is it streaming? It's been in our list. Oh, no, Bo Burnham's inside. Bo so Burnham's are all the memes inside. now making sense now that you've yes. seen it? Yes, 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 yes. Um, I watched it with Taylor, and he just, like, kept turning me. He goes, this one's on TikTok. This one's on TikTok. Because um, my husband loves TikTok even more than we do. Um, but, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I would definitely recommend it. Now, I feel like if you're not used to his comedy stylings, it can be a little off-putting because, I'll be honest, yeah. I'm, I don't really watch a lot of stand-up comedy. So the first couple of songs, I was like, it was hard. But once I found the rhythm of it, I thoroughly yeah. enjoyed it. And by the end of it, I was loving it. I'm glad you finally saw it. I love it. Um, Bo Burnham's interesting because he started out on YouTube and Vine doing just like funny songs and i have seen his uh stand-up but i more like his music and his like vine stuff that's more of what i was into for him and then he did eighth grade which i have yet to see eighth grade but um but he also did uh, our our favorite promising young, movie, women. promising young woman yeah so 
uh, I was like, oh, Bo Burnham. And I just love that he did the whole thing in his house by himself. He edited everything. Yeah. It's great. Taylor kept it's saying, so he was good. like, this guy is stupid fucking creative. Well, that's good. I'm glad you got to watch Inside. It's so good. Uh, if you haven't, it's on Netflix, y'all. Um, I've heard the other movies really good, too. I just haven't gotten to watch it because it's not streaming anywhere right now. Um, but actually, I think I think our friend Peter watched it because he told yes. me, oh, have you watched it? I was like, oh, yeah. it's on our list. He's like, it really disturbed me. I was like, it sounds disturbing. Um, but I won't get too far into it because I did not watch that this week. Um, I did watch, I did finish Cruel Summer, which I, I liked the ending. And then there's like a twist ending at the very end that I thought was really stupid. Um, but it, if you like like over dramatic teens and um true crime it's very interesting and it went somewhere where i'm like it was more interesting than the typical true crime story of this nature i won't go too far into it because half the battle i think is like they've kept some things under close to their chest on the little blurbs and i think that it's more helpful to not know stuff about that show i would say it's like you know like that movie run Yes. It's kind of like that kind of a true crime, but it's a TV show. Okay. So. That makes sense. But it's more interesting because every episode takes place on the same day on three separate years. Um, the other thing I watched, I watched Spree on Hulu, finally. Did you, have you seen it yet? Mm-mm. It stars Joe Keery from Stranger Things as this guy who is desperate to be popular on the internet. And he... Um, they do, I don't want to ruin it, but basically he live streams himself committing crimes while driving like a, not an Uber, but like a, a I heard about this. Yes. I've heard about it. I don't want to give too much away because the way they, it unfolds in the movie is pretty good. If I didn't know the premise beforehand, like if I hadn't had it spoiled for me, I would have like enjoyed it even a little more, but it is entertaining and it does have a good viewpoint on like the stresses of needing to be popular on social media like especially kids who are like on it from such a young age but it does get very violent um but it it was it was entertaining and uh uh what's his face david arquette plays his dad like in the movie um and they did a really good job of keeping it all like on a cell phone believably yeah so that was interesting it's on hulu um, and then I finally watched Train Spotting, yay! Which I loved. It's on—I don't remember where it's streaming. I really liked it. Choose Life. Uh, Ewan McGregor, like I've always loved him, but like I did not realize what a tour de force he is. Um, but yeah, I highly recommend Train Spotting. Um, I want to watch Requiem for a Dream because I'm curious because they're both about you know addiction. Uh, basically and i feel like they're going to be so different but yeah. i will say there is one part of train spotting that genuinely made me sick to my stomach and scared me and it's not the part everyone says scares them it's it's a part before that but that has to do with the part that scares everybody else if you know, yeah, what, I'm I know, about, exactly. you know what i'm talking about i know what you're talking about yes you know Reckon what i'm talking about i don't want to train- ruin it because if you have it's a great movie 
Train spotting is at least helpful. Reculum for a dream is not helpful yes. at all. Exactly. I can say other? fun fact real quick for the podcast. Fun fact for the podcast. Um, so train spotting is written by Irvine Welsh, and uh, Irvine Welsh actually wrote the novel Ecstasy: Three Tales of Chemical uh, Chemical Romance. Mm-hmm. This is where my Chemical Romance got their name from. Ah, which I've heard the so, book is even more disturbing than the movie Train Spotting. The the book that it's based on is apparently even grosser and worse because it is someone talking about the heroin addiction and their struggle with sobriety which is it's it's a bitch anyways it's really good it's danny boyle danny boyle's a great director he also did slumdog millionaire which i was going to watch and then they took it off streaming i love I was it very upset i was very upset because i really wanted to watch it finally anyways a bad movie i watched was space jam a new legacy but i only got 20 minutes in before I turn it off. It's not as offensive as I thought it was going to be. But it's not good. Um, also, have you watched the Olympics? Because I um, teared up watching Simone Biles go back on the balance Aww. beam and win bronze. Um, I'm so proud of you, Simone. You don't know who we Aww. are. But Simone, you are a great person. Also, Katie Ledecky and Lydia Jacoby won a bunch of golds for swimming. Which is my other event that I love. Um, they both um, got gold in breaststroke, which is my personal favorite stroke from when I did swim team. It's my go-to stroke. But yeah, that's like, yeah, that's what I watched. With that, I think we need to start talking about the movie we saw this week, which I do have a synopsis. Um, it technically was my pick, but we kind of both picked it because we both were like, we can't wait to see this movie. Um, but basically... The Green Knight, based on the epic poem from the 14th century, so 600 years ago, based on Sir Gowan and the Green Knight. On a cold Christmas night, young and brazen, yet to be Sir Gowan, takes up a challenge from the mysterious and magical Green Knight for his uncle King Arthur. One year later, he embarks on a dangerous quest to meet the knight once more and accept his fate. da 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 so, so the the Green Knights from A twenty four. It was written and directed by David Lowry. David Lowry um, wanted to make a non traditional adventure movie. He's a huge fan of the movie Willow, and he said actually, like yeah. seeing his Willow action figures kind of got him into thinking about this. And he had read the poem, and he 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 has a lot of stuff from the poem in this movie. I will say this movie. There's two ways to watch it, and we watched it both ways. I listened to the poem the day of. Um, I would suggest the Tolkien translation because it's way easier to listen to than trying to read Middle English, personally. Um, and it's available on Audible, which is what I did. Um, or you can go in completely blind, and I think both ways you'll come out with an interesting interpretation. Because this is one of those movies that you can interpret things many different ways. Um but it's not so open-ended that it's annoying, which is probably why yeah. I liked it. I also love, um, and real quick, just to say with Lowry, um, I hope I didn't still. Um, Lowry also has been into knights and medieval folklore since he was a child. So um, he actually wrote mm-hmm. a really sweet open letter um, that A24 published saying how this was one of his most personal films. Because it was, was something that he thought his whole life he was gearing towards making. Just because he always did have that love and passion there mm-hmm. even when he was a little boy. Um, and I thought that was really sweet and really cool to think of this as something, this personal catalyst that he was slowly moving towards his whole life. 
Yes, and I I like it too because um, he I haven't actually seen anything by him before. I've heard of Ain't Them Body Saints. It's been on my list for a thousand years because um, everyone said, oh, it's a really good movie. Um, but I, I didn't want to watch the Pete's Dragon remake because I have a very special place in my heart for the original Pete's Dragon and especially the music in it. But I, the visuals looked gorgeous. And I think it's obviously David Lowry because this movie is absolutely gorgeous to look at. Um, it, it takes like a very somber, what could be like colorless, gray drab world of like medieval England and it just pops in bursts of color yeah. and symbolism in the color that just like brings it to life. And it's, it's a feast for the eyes. Um, yes. I think we both like walked out of the theater being like, that was so pretty. Like, yeah, the there's not so a single, pretty. there's not a single, single scene in this movie that's not beautiful. Like, even when, spoiler, even when it's being a little bit slow, there's not a single scene in this movie that's not yes. beautiful. Um, what yes. you were, I know um, you're probably heading towards this. So, he wrote and directed Ain't Them Body Saints, Pete's Dragon, A Ghost Story, which is a movie I've always wanted to see. <sighs> yes. um, and he also did yes. The Old Man and the Gun. Um, and so... Cinefix, which is my favorite movie channel, they actually released this really cool little video um, in honor of The Green Knight being released where they're, like, exploring David Lowry as a filmmaker and especially his, um, his, like, um, themes of myth and folklore in all of his movies. And I never really realized until, like, they were breaking down these movies how many of these movies are inspired by other things. Like, obviously, we know what this one's inspired by. But even Ain't Them Body yeah. Saints is loosely inspired by the Odyssey and Bonnie and Clyde and Peace Dragon, obviously, Dragons and Folklore, a ghost story. Um, and even a and yeah, Pete's Dragon. Um, but Ghost Story, I think we, I think me and you have talked about doing a ghost story. And the joke about the ghost story is like, okay, we get the ghost story is like this really beautiful movie about this ghost watching his partner. But then it's also like, why the fuck the ghost sheet? And Cinefix was like, yeah. the ghost sheet because it's recognizable worldwide. Anyone in the world can recognize that's a ghost. And I was like, that's so yeah. fucking brilliant. And I never was thought of it. It's Rooney Mara and Casey Affleck, who is also, and also, but they were also his lead actors in Ain't Them Body Saints. So it's like, he also likes to use his actors over and over again. So which is yes. a director trademark. Speaking, speaking of actors, um, mm -hmm. Gowan or Gawain, I, it, I've heard, it's pronounced multiple ways in the movie too. Oh, how way. about did you catch this in the movie? Yeah, I was about to say, did you catch it in the movie where he's like, "Bring young Garwin to me." <laughs> Garwin, like, which I think yeah. is just like a, I think it's, I think it's like just an English accent kind of thing, kind of like Scottish people. Like sometimes it's hard to. You have beautiful accents, people in Scotland. Yes. If you are listening, I know we have of, some people in UK that listen. But, like, sometimes it is hard to understand. Or it's, like, hard, like, people in the South where they say, when you say fire, people in the South go far. And it sounds like you're saying far. Like, I think maybe it was one of those where, like, it's just, like, it's a dialect thing. I hope it was. Yeah. Because I was, like, how do you pronounce his name? Anyways, Gowan, who is not yet a sir in this movie, is played by the fabulous and amazing Dev Patel, who... Has been, I mean, you know him, you love him, you've seen him. He was in Slumdog Millionaire, he was in Lion, Chappie, and David Copperfield in the personal history of David Copperfield. Um, and he is just absolutely brilliant. However, 
Gowan is not the sweet, innocent person in this movie, which I think is so interesting because it's so different from the poem, which we'll talk about. We'll get into it. We'll compare and contrast while we go on so it goes a little faster. I do, I do want to say real quick also that Deb Patel's about to release a movie that he directed and co-wrote called yes. The uh, Mo- Monkey Man. Monkey Man. So I did want to throw that out Monkey there. Man. Sure I didn't we'll know what it was called, Man. but I knew that he was yeah. editing because in one of the interviews he's like, I've been editing all day. And I was like, what are you editing? Um, also we have Alicia Vikander, or Vikander, I'm not sure how you exactly pronounce her name, um, but she, she plays dual roles, so I won't say who she plays until we get into spoilers, um, but she was Ava in Ex Machina, which is what I saw her in, and Gerda in The Danish Girl, which I think she got nominated for an Oscar. I think she was nominated for for Best Best Supporting supporting Yeah, She might have won, actually, I'm not sure, she may have won. Um, and she's also the new Laura Croft in the current Tomb Raider series. Um, she's great. I really she, like her. She also, just for a fun fact for our listeners, she started in the movie The Light Between the Oceans, which was uh, flew under the radar. wasn't really It was critically mixed reviews. But she started mm-hmm. in that movie where her future husband, Michael Fassbender. So I thought that was a cool bit of trivia. Oh, she's married to Michael Fassbender. He is amazing. Mm-hmm. He's such a good actor. Speaking of good actors, Joel Edgerton is also in this movie. Um, he actually based his character of the Lord on interviews of old British actors on talk shows, most of whom were very drunk. I was thinking of, and I can't remember, the guy that played the psychiatrist in The Brood. Like, oh, that's who he reminded me, his performance reminded yes, me of. Yes, like, Or Richard right. Burton, and, or like um, Orson Welles, like the, those old Hollywood British actors who were had terrible drinking problems. But, like, we're fun on interviews. Like, that's how he, what he based his character on. Um, and he's in, you know, Joel Edgerton. He was in It Comes at Night. He was, I don't know, he was in Tom and the Great Gatsby. Um, mm-hmm. He's currently playing the character of Ridgeway in the TV series Underground Railroad, which has been on my list. I haven't watched it yet. And he's playing Owen Lars, a.k.a. Uncle Owen, in the upcoming Obi-Wan Kenobi series. So with yes. McGregor. So <laughs> one more so one more fun fact. One more fun fact. He also too played <laughs> Gowan in King Arthur in two thousand four. Oh no, he would make a good Gowan yes. when he was younger. Yeah, Gowan so... has to be super young and super like youthful. Like it's a it's a theme for it. Um, we also have Sarita Chudhari as mother. There's a lot of very vague character names, by the way, in this. Gowan's got a name. No one else really... There's, like, three people with names. Everyone else is, like, the man, the woman, because we're trying to keep it vague. And only if you've read the poem or are familiar with it do you understand, or if you're really into Arthurian legend, do you understand who these characters are, which is kind of cool. It makes it encourages you to go back and look up these old poems, which I think is cool. Um, she was... Anna in Lady in the Water, I think she played... Uh, M. Night Shyamalan's wife, I want to say, or family member, because they're in a lot of pictures together, but it's been literally a decade since I saw that movie, and it wasn't that good, but she's a good actress, so I'm sure she was fine. She also plays a character in the Hunger Games Mockingjay movies. There's a new movie that I've heard of called Evil Eye. She's in. She's in Jessica Jones, and she played uh, Mandy Patinkin's, I think, wife in Homeland? She plays... She's in a bunch of pictures with him. I haven't watched Homeland yet, but she's in Homeland as well. And she does a lot of, like, indie films, like, independent yeah. films. 
And she got her start in this movie called Mississippi Masala, which I actually have heard about mm-hmm. multiple times, but her and Denzel yes. Washington start opposite each other in that movie. And when you mm-hmm. see, if you've seen screen caps from that movie, you're like, I know what movie this is because I've heard a lot of people talk about it over the years. So that's kind of yes. where she got her start at. And she was, I guess, more of an ingenue in that movie. Like it was like a love romantic story. And then slowly she's kind of built her way into a character actress. So, which is still really cool. Yeah, she's, She's very much a character actress. Um, and I'm I'm going to try to get quickly through these. I'm going to... Two of our next characters, Ralph Einson, Einson as oh, the yes. Green Knight, and Katie Dick, Kate Dickey, sorry, as Queen Guinevere, or the Queen. Um, they're both in Game of Thrones. She's Lysa Aaron. He's uh, Dagmar Clefjaw, and mm-hmm. he was also Amicus Caro in the Harry Potter Deathly Hallows. Um, he was Adam in Absentia, and they were both in the Vavitch together. Yeah. Um, she was Catherine, Married. the mom, and he was William, the dad. Um, so I was like, oh, it's the Vavitch people. I love, also, Ralph Ineson has a beautiful deep voice. Oh, yeah. And he does, he does all the, um, narration for the, the trailers for the Green Knight because he has such a cool voice. Um, and then we've got Aaron Kellerman as Winifred, one of the few characters with a name. Um, she is currently on the Falcon and Winter Soldier as Carly. Um, she's going to be in the upcoming Willow series, which David Lowry was a little disappointed they didn't ask him to direct, but he said he's very excited about. And apparently he was she was Eponine in the Les Mis miniseries in 2019, which I haven't watched yet. Um, and then we've got Sean Harris as King as the King. Um, he's been, he's a a recurring character in the Mission Impossible movies. He was on the Borgias, which I have seen the Borgias, but it's been a really long time. And Bob Craven in the Red Riding miniseries, which I've heard of, and I've never actually watched. It's like a murder miniseries from the 90s, early 2000s. And lastly, it's a kind of a minor character, but I was really excited because I knew this guy's face. And when I looked it up, I was like, that's why I knew his face. Barry Keoghan? Or Kogan. Yeah. Kogan? I don't know. Um, it's, yeah. Um, as the scavenger. Um, he was Martin in The Killing of a Sacred Deer yep. by Yorgos Lanthimos. Uh, he's very creepy in that movie. Um, he was also in Dunkirk and the movie American Animals, which looks interesting and I still haven't seen it. But that's pretty much the only people worth talking about. Yeah. That's actually, I think, yeah. like pretty much everyone in the cast that has speaking lines yeah. in the movie. Yeah, it was hard because I was like, pretty much, if you have speaking lines, you're a pretty important part in this movie because there's not a ton of characters, but there's enough that there's, because it is like a journey um, movie. The only character that's as important but doesn't speak is a fox. A fox. Which is very adorable. And it only speaks once, and we're not really sure if it's really speaking or if it's a hallucination. Um, But with that, I think we're probably going to have to get into spoilers because um, I don't know how to talk about this movie without talking about spoilers. Um, but uh, I'd recommend it. It's currently in theaters. I don't know when it'll be streaming if you don't feel safe going out to the theaters. Um, we wore masks and socially distanced. We went to a theater where it was really easy to socially distance because you have to buy your tickets ahead of time so you can not sit next to people if you don't want to. Um, but... Uh, I don't know. I know some people, some places are getting worse, are actually trending up, by the way. I saw Alabama's finally trending up, getting shots 
Thank God. Um, but yeah, if you don't feel safe going out and seeing this movie, of course we understand. Um, I'm sure it'll be streaming soon, though. Because they had St. Maud out. They had a limited release earlier this year, and they released that, like, a month later. So, A24 wants people to see their movies. And usually A24 does the festival circuit before they wide release any of their films. But with everything that went on last year, they just were like, they just skipped that part weirdly. So, but I, it's doing really well. This movie has really good reviews. I, I don't know how well the box office is yet, but it's got really good reviews. So I'm hoping that it will be a commercial success because, um, I want A24 to do more wide releases because we unfortunately don't get the limited releases where we live. Like Zola came off and we don't get to see that. And that's an A24 movie. And I was really, really excited about it. So, yeah. Oh, by the way, apparently Lizzo started a rumor that she's having Chris Evans' baby and he's cool with it. Oh, my God. That's great. That's Their funny. little friendship romance is so cute. Like, they, they're not actually dating, but they've been DMing each other comically. Like, she yeah. started DMing him and he's been very supportive of it. I don't know. It would be kind of cool if Chris Evans and Lizzo ended up together that would be really cool he is an ass man and she has a fabulous ass so she I'm does saying, she and does. with that we love you, well, i do agree we're gonna get we're gonna get started we're gonna we're gonna get started because if not i could talk yeah because i could talk about chris seven for a while so i'm like i'm gonna i'm gonna curb myself yes, we, we um, talk about him. <laughs> I just think it's cute. um but she's yeah a good so girl she is she's very sweet and she's very smart and she's pretty um but we are counting down three, two, one. Spoilers. So we, if you mm-hmm. do not want to have anything spoil about the Green Knight for you, please divert your ears from this podcast because we are officially talking about this movie. So the first thing we yep. actually see, and I remember um, Katie sitting next to me and going, "That's intense." Um, so uh, we see this crown, and it just kind of drops onto Gawain, and he's sitting down, yeah, and he bursts into flames. And the first thing I thought, I Which- was like. Yeah. The cool thing is that he is the the Christ child. By the way, he's dressed as the Christ child where I used to have a little statuette of it where you're in red and he's got like the little globe with the cross on the top and the scepter in the other. It's also how they how they crown monarchs in England too. And he's and he's crowned and this beautiful crown comes on top of him and then he bursts into flames and I was like oh my god it's Jesus imagery and kingly imagery I love it thank you yeah and the first thing I automatically thought of was like is he like to quote Loki is he burdened with glorious purpose or is it saying that he will (laughs) or is it saying that shortly after he receives glory he will die like those are the two things I automatically took so I think he's doomed (laughs) I think he's doomed. That's what I thought. I was like, okay, something bad's going to happen. <laughs> or he's a bad person. Why is he bursting into flames? But also, he wakes up in a brothel, so maybe he was just really hot. Maybe he was just steaming hot because he had such a nice night with his girlfriend. Um, so I'm going to go back and forth with the poem stuff since so we don't like spend too much time on it. But in the poem... Sir Gowan is the most chaste and honorable of all of King Arthur's knights. This movie takes a different turn, a more realistic turn, I think, because the Sir Gowan in the poem 
is kind of not realistic. He's steadfast and true and honorable, and he's only dishonest about one thing, which we'll get to at the end, when we get to the ending, because if you, if you want to think that he's interpreting the poem correctly, then the ending has a different meaning than what I thought initially and what Brittany thought initially. Um, but anyways, um, so in the poem, Sir Gowan is very chaste. He's very honorable and all stuff. Sir Gowan has a steady girlfriend who I think works at a brothel. They never really say. Yeah, it's heavily alluded to because we see him kind of chase her playfully through this brothel and you definitely get the feeling that they're lovers. But you also see, like, people having sex around them and, like, mothers, like, taking care of their children or, like, this pregnant woman's walking around half naked. And what I love, too, yeah. is that it also sets up that time is, like, a big theme in this movie because there's literally a few different women that are like, are you a knight yet? Are you a knight yet? And he's like, i got time. I've got plenty of time. And so it's like, that's <laughs> something that's set up very quickly is that Gallen is not very like steadfast and really trying to become a knight because he's just like whatever yeah. i'm young i have time so that's automatically yes. we're introduced to gallon he seems kind of lazy he seems like he's fun loving but he's also just kind of like not really there because he's just so young and useful he doesn't give a damn about anything yes he's very he's got a lot of hubris um he's very much an icarus in this that's what i get from it is like it's a tale of hubris and in fact dev patel says that it's really about the strive for greatness and can you do that he says whilst and it doesn't sound weird because he's british <laughs> whilst maintaining goodness which i think is great he also sees gowan as the everyman he was like I can play these characters because they're every man, so anyone can put themselves in his shoes, which is what Gowan is in this movie, which is different from the poem because the poem, he's more of like what one should aspire to be as a person and as a knight. And that's why, like, this movie's so interesting because if you're going to do a movie about a 600 year old poem, oh my God, at least have a new, like, spin on it. And this does that. And that's what I like about it. Um, anyways. So, Gowan sees his mother, who, if you know anything about Arthurian legends, um, she is, presumably, which they never name her in this movie, but she should be Morgan Le Fay, because he is King Arthur's nephew. Um, and Morgan Le Fay, if you don't know, for the uninitiated, um, I did a paper on her, like, in, like, high school or college, so I got really obsessed with the character of Morgan Le Fay. Um, in La Morte de Arthur which is the French poem that uh, a lot of Arthurian legend has been solidified in. Um, and in dis English literature and legend, Morgan Le Fay was Arthur's half-sister. She famously hated Guinevere. It's like Mary Magdalene. She's very confusing. In some stories, she's like a strong, powerful sorceress who's honorable and who is Arthur's like confidant. And then in other stories, she's like... I hate to use this word, but the whore of Babylon kind of thing. Like, she's just, like, she's she's seducing men. She hates Camelot. She wants everything to be ruined. But I think she's generally in between in most things. Um, which is interesting with this, because we meet his mom, and his mom and his sisters are all not going to the Christmas dinner. 
at the castle. And he's like, what the hell? What? And they're like, no, 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 you, you tell us. We'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. Um, you just tell us about it. So he goes to the Christmas fest, the Christmas dinner, feast. I shouldn't say fest, the Christmas feast. And we have King Arthur and Queen Guinevere, um, played by Sean. I can't remember his last name. And Kate Dickey. Harris? Um, Kate, Kate Dickey plays really, really good crazy queens, by the way. Like, she's so good at playing at crazy royalty. But she's not crazy in this movie. Yeah. But she has one instance where, when she reads the letter, where she's just kind of terrifying. Yeah. And, and it's not, yeah. I really like this oh, part, ahead. too. No, I really like this part. Um, because he's kind of sitting there, and Arthur, um, so meanwhile, there's, like, kind of, like, his mother is, we, we don't really know for sure what's going on. It's very, like, mysterious, because we see her in what I presume was his sister's, but I'm not sure if it's supposed to be her coven. Um, I'm not sure if the sisters are also playing, like, both. the covens. Yeah, like, it's, like, they're both. But they're doing this kind of ritual, but Arthur sees Gowen, and he's, like, he offers Gowan to sit next to him at the table, which is traditionally the prince's seat, um, which is a very, very mm-hmm. high honor. You can see this touches Gowan, and this was what the, one of the first parts in this movie where Deb Patel's eyes are just like, they kind of brim with tears. Like, he's almost on the verge of tears. Mm-hmm. It's like, it touches him so much that he's offered, and Arthur either, even was like, I'm so sorry, I wish I had known you. You came from my sister, and I don't know anything about you. Please tell us an interesting story about yourself. And he's like, I don't have any interesting stories. And Guinevere says, not yet. And then it's like the Green Knight Which just Which is when I thought yeah. he was going to, like, tell the Sir Gowan story and put mm-hmm. himself in it. And it was going to be a whole, like, framing device. But they don't yeah. do that. They don't do that. No. That would be and, a cop-out. Yes. And so this is the scene where the Green Knight busts in. And it's heavily implied mm-hmm. that somehow the Green, Green Knight is linked to Gowan's mother. We're not really sure of the yes. details. It's kind of like your brain has to fill it in, I feel. There's no really right or wrong answers. But we definitely know she somehow Which, summoned him. Yes. And in the poem, Morgan Le Fay is not... They don't say that she's his mother? Because Arthur did have other half-siblings, too. So, like... Gowan's not for sure Morgan Le Fay's son in Sir Gowan and the Green Knight. However, in the poem, Morgan Le Fay is basically, again, she hates Guinevere. She has this hatred for Guinevere, which Guinevere did cheat on Arthur, supposedly, supposedly in the legend, with Lancelot. So, and also, oh, Morgan Le Fay had an affair with Lancelot too, by the way. So that might be a little bit of it as well. But Morgan Le Fay does not like Guinevere. For whatever reason. And in the poem, she does orchestrate this whole thing to, one, challenge Arthur and the honor of his Knights of the Round Table. Because she wants to see if there's actually anyone who's honorable in the Knights of the Round Table. And two, she wants to scare Guinevere to death. So, Guinevere reads the letter in this adaptation. I do not think she reads the letter in the poem. But when Guinevere reads the letter from the Green Knight, um, there's, like, this green otherworldly light. And Ralph Innocent's Innocent's voice is, like, going through her. It's, like, like kind of possessy, demonic-y. Like, she's reading it, and it's kind of terrifying. 
Yeah, it's like a fever. It's a fever dream. It feels like because yeah. it's like your senses are just kind of like what's happening. And I did tell Katie yes. I did have a very minor complaint at this point is because I'm a little hard of hearing. Um, I did yeah. um, because it's this gorgeous otherworldly voice. There's almost like an echo or like an overlapping of like almost an other voice mixed in with his. Um, and it does give it yes. this very eerie feeling, but it also makes it hard to hear it. Um, but it was still so visually stunning that I knew what was going on because yes. it's like Guinevere looks possessed almost by the Green Knight yes. in this scene. Yeah. And she she reads this letter, which we've seen Morgan, or the mother, um, write. Um, and she is, basically the Green Knight's task is, I challenge one of your knights to face me in battle. And whatever blow he gives me... In one year hence, I, he has to meet me at the Green Chapel, and I will return the blow. And Arthur is too old and frail at this point to do this, and none of the knights will stand up. So Gowan's like, I'll do it! Because he's a brazen, little, too big for his britches kid. And not saying he's a bad person in the movie. He's a very morally gray character. He does do, quote-unquote, the right thing, but he does it because he thinks it's expected of him, and he does it for fame. And I think that's the important thing about his hubris, is it's not that he's... it Like, it varies, because there's, there's points where he does things that are morally good for no one else, no one, not his own, not to help himself out. But a lot of the movie, a lot of the, quote-unquote, good things he does... He's blinded by the fame of being an honorable knight. And so he doesn't really do it from the goodness of his heart. He does it because he's he can't wait to be a knight and this is a way to prove himself. Yeah, and I think there's something very telling about this scene too is because he offers to do it and it's confusing to him because the knight just offers his neck. Like he thinks it's going to be like yes. this fight and it's not. The knight just offers yeah. his neck. And Arthur's like, Arthur's like, before he lets him go, he gives him Excalibur and he goes, remember, it's just a game. Yeah. And He's like, don't take it too seriously, bud. Yeah, and literally he fucking lops off the green knight's head and spoiler alert, like, you can see on Queen Guinevere's face that this was not the right decision. Right. She yeah. is disappointed in this decision. Because uh, she kind of, yes. like, closes her eyes and takes a breath. And you're just like, because once again, he said he would give him the blow he would give him. So if he just, like, his neck gently, that's all he would have done. But yes. he took the fuck, he, he, he took the mission way too seriously. And yes. so the Green Knight yes. just picks his head back up. And says, okay, one year hence, see you at the Green Chapel, and rides away on his horse. Also, I love that the Green Knight isn't just, like, in the in the poem, he's just, like, a knight who is imposing and is green, and his horse is green. But he is, like, covered in, like, greenery, and he almost looks like an Ent from, like, Lord of the Rings, only not as tall. Um, or Groot, for those who don't like Lord of the Rings. But I feel like the Lord of the Rings crowd would like this movie. Um, it's a much shorter movie. You don't sit through four movies to get the story. Three, I'm sorry. You don't have to sit through three movies to get the plot of one book. Sorry, Hobbit fans. So Gowan's like, oh shit. But the thing is, people are like, oh my god, Sir Gowan is a hero. And in the short year, um, which I love the way they tell the time because they have this little 
like rotating calendar with like a like like it's like a pictograph almost thing of like um a person in the winter and the summer and the fall in the fields and the seasons changing and they spin it and there's also a little puppet show of Gowan like knocking the knight's head off but then as it gets towards the end of the year the knight knocks Gowan's head off and it's like oh it's scary but and he's like he's getting his portrait taken Arthur has like commissioned all this amazing like beautiful like this beautiful yellow marigold cloak for him to wear and um like a new sword and a new um shield um and just like like he is just like he's gonna be the perfect knight and his mother um is like you know when you return he's like if i return she's like when you return she like gives him words of wisdom essel his girlfriend gives him a a jingle bell from her clothing to wear as a trinket um and arthur is like like comes to him personally to see him off and stuff um and there was like little kids chasing him yeah um behind did i did i miss anything no it's um, a really Arth- interesting sequence yeah and arthur again because he does come to see him personally in his own home and the thing is he once again in this two short year he doesn't do anything nightly. He kind of just still, like, no. has sex, drinks a lot, eats a lot, doesn't really do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Arthur... He's I like feel- the Paul brothers when they get famous. That's what it reminded me of, of, like, little YouTubers who get famous. And instead yeah. of, like, giving their money to charity, they're like, I'm gonna get drunk and fuck bitches. Like, yes. that's what it reminded me of. Yes. I'm so fucking famous. I love this. But he's yeah. also a kid. Yeah, and that's he's what... He's a kid. I feel like part of Arthur coming is actually concerned that Gowan's not going to hold his end of the oaf up. Is what I felt. Yes. So, and Arthur... He doesn't once, really seem to take it seriously. Yeah. And so Arthur, once again, is like, I think, you know, you need to keep your oaf. And once again, remember, it's a game. So he does reluctantly. He agrees and he departs on the journey to the Green Chapel. Uh, he takes with him the Green Knight's axe. And he takes also a green girdle that his mom made for him. That she's like, hey, yes. no harm will come to you while you are wearing this green girdle. And he starts traveling and the first so there's like three big things that happen which in the Mm -hmm. poem they skim over everything everything's mentioned in the poem except for i think the first thing the second thing that happens which we'll go into um does happen in the poem but it's just one sentence it's very short um but the first thing that happens that's big is he comes across a battlefield and the scavenger that we talked about is there and he is asking him, Oh, do you know where the green chapel is? Which first of all, don't trust strangers and tell them you don't know where you're going. You know, um, he's not very careful. He's very, he doesn't naive. think anyone can touch him. Yeah. Yeah. He's very naive. Anyone can touch him because he's powerful and rich and whatever. Um, and the guy's like, Oh yeah. If you follow this river, you know, you'll get straight to it. You know, thank you for paying me. And he like basically forces him to pay him. And he's like, oh, okay. So now they know that you have money, which by the way, people that want to steal your money will ask you for money so they can see how much money you have in your purse. So yep. if you're going to give money to somebody, already have it in your hand. So, um, he, Gowan gives him a coin. And after he takes the scavenger's directions, he's ambushed in the forest by the scavenger and two of his friends, which I thought was cool. His friends are both women. Um, but also, also, uh, a group of three just to be yeah. symbolic. 
And so he's actually, um, after this, after he's ambushed in the forest, he's robbed, he's tied up, and he's left to die. And they literally, um, they take his, like, girdle, they take his horse, um, they basically take everything. And so there's this really cool part in the movie where it's like we see, like, basically, like, days and months pass in the forest in, like, a time lapse. And we see Gowan laying there as a skeleton. And it's like... Gowan is envisioning himself kind of that this is the end of his rope. He's dying. He's going to die. And he's like, nope, fuck this, not doing this. So he manages or to... Or die. Yeah. He, I don't think so. I, I don't think so. Not quite yet. I do argue that. Um, Who knows? Yeah. But he, I don't think he has at this point. But he kind of, <laughs> after seeing that vision of himself, he's like... He gets the strength to get to his sword and he cuts himself mm-hmm. free... Um, and so mm-hmm. he goes to follow the scavengers, night falls, and he comes across this abandoned little cottage and just decides to stop to yeah. sleep. Mm-hmm. Yes, which is my absolute favorite part. So this is actually based on a real-life saint. I mean, y- you can decide if you want to believe that saints are real or not. It is a Middle Ages saint. So there were some wild and wacky stories about saints in the Middle Ages. So this sequence is based on a legend of St. Winifred, who was a a real person who uh, decided to become a nun, and a man who, a potential suitor, felt spurned by her because of that, and he beheaded her. And that part is for sure true, but the rest of it is... He threw her head into the, a spring, which is a real spring that exists in, um, I think, the Welsh countryside. So you can actually go to this spring. It's actually like a, a holy place to visit because apparently the waters have healing powers, supposedly. Again, take what, with a grain of salt. This is religion. So, you know, whatever. But um, a saint, which I don't know who the saint was because I was listening to several different people tell the story, um, retrieved her head uh put it back with her body and she was resurrected supposedly in the legend um and yeah it's a real spring and um lowry um said that when he wrote this scene because there's a there's a really good video from the new york times where he kind of goes over this scene is the winifred of this sequence is trying to get gallon to do the right thing to be a good person um, so basically Gowan comes across his cottage and as he is sleeping, he is woken by a woman who says her name is Winifred and at, like, he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I wasn't going to harm you. She w- tells him the story about how a man wanted to take her honor, wanted to sleep with her. She said, no, he came back in the night, took her head off and threw her head in the, in the spring in front of the cottage. And she says, I need you to retrieve it for me. And she convinces him to go retrieve it for her and it's this really cool like water sequence where Mm -hmm. he's like swimming way deeper than the spring probably is but it's really beautiful and pretty um it's very symbolic and i would definitely say watch the new york times video because david lowry goes into like a bunch of the symbolism of everything which i won't get into here but he does retrieve her head and he brings it to her body um that's in the house now magically like it wasn't in the bed when he was sleeping but now it's in the house and reunites her head with her body so she can rest peacefully. Um, but she does tell him, since she's a ghost, she tells him, like, the Green Knight is someone that you know. And he's like, okay. And um, so, yeah, the Green Knight is probably Morgan Le Fay. Let's, yeah, 
because at this point he hasn't met the other characters that we're about to meet. So then he's kind of struggling getting through the wilderness and he's accompanied by a tiny little fox, which is probably a, the, a, a good part of the movie, but also it looks very CGI. Like the only, it moves like a dog because it does, like it reminded me of Gizmo because of the way it like followed him around the whole time. So the movements were good, but it did look a little out of place. Maybe because I watch a lot of real life foxes on Juniper Fox on Instagram. I was like, he looks too CGI. Um, And there's some weird stuff where like he like encounters giants and I didn't really understand that part. Yeah. I'm still trying to figure it out. out Nowhere. Yeah, because it's like he calls to the giant and basically, like, they they look like just naked humans, essentially. Like, big, huge naked humans. And he's like, hey, yeah, get I, I asked Brittany, did someone watch Attack on Titans and get, yeah. <laughs> like, inspired? Exactly. That's kind of what it and, and, then she, and then it doesn't help the argument that it looks like she was about to eat him and the fox got in between them. Um, I didn't know. I yeah. told Katie this. I was like, I don't know if it's, like, this idea that, like, there's something out there besides us like there's something larger like if it's a rip on something beyond us as mere like humans or is it like we are the age of heroes if we're talking about greek mythology and medieval mythology that if there was these greek titans maybe there were these titans essentially in europe too i don't know so (laughs) yeah well and, and giants are a legend in english lore too because in Harry Potter, giants are part of the lore because Hagrid is part giant, so it is part mm-hmm. of. I they 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 are in like Jack and the Beanstalk and things like that. Giants are quote unquote real. Um, also, which I forgot to say, he is so hungry he eats these mushrooms that make him vomit, but then he starts having hallucinations. So the giants could be a hallucination too. That's true. Pretty too. much okay. There's there's two ways you can interpret this. Either he got tied up and died, and this is all like a Jacob's Ladder situation. Mm-mm. Or he's tripping on mushrooms. Are they really a Or it's all really happening. Mm-hmm. What? Yeah, there's... there's said, my, yeah. That's what, like, this movie isn't so open-ended that it's frustrating, but it's open-ended enough that there's things to talk about, which is why this episode's probably going to be a, long, a little longer than we want it to be because there's a lot to talk about. But he... So he sees, he sees the giants, and the fox, like, communicates with them? But I was like, I mean, the fox already, like, cuddled with him in a cave and kept him warm. So I don't think we needed the fox to be, like, of use to him. But basically, he eventually happens upon a castle, and he meets the lord and the lady of the castle. And the fox kind of, like, leaves him, goes to stay in the forest. Um, So there's the lord, played by Joel Edgerton. There's the lady, who looks exactly like his girlfriend, Essel, just, like, fancy. And it was funny, because, like... One of the last things she said to him before he left was like, oh, what if I wanted you to ask me to be your lady? Which made me think of uh, Rose Leslie asking Kit Harrington that in uh, mm-hmm. Game of Thrones. I was like, I've been here before. I was, like, yeah. I was like, this is like the same thing. But anyways, it's very sweet. She looks just like his girlfriend, and which is kind of weirds him out. And there's also an elderly lady who has a blindfold on, so presumably she is blind. And um, it's the same kind of blindfold that his mother was wearing when she was doing the enchantment for the Great Knight. So you're like, okay. And in the poem, spoilers, the elderly lady is Morgan Le Fay in disguise. So, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be his mom. 
Um, and I will say there were a couple people who I watched, I listened to reviews of because I was curious what other people got from the movie. Um, like I wrote my interpretation down first and then I went back and there were a couple people who hadn't read the poem that like totally get that. Like people totally, so like, I, I like that you can understand that without having to read the poem. Cause I think it's pretty obvious. They do enough symbolism, like with the blindfold without being like thrusting in your face. Um, and basically, the Lord and the Lady are, like, really welcoming and sweet. And they, are like, are insistent. They're like, oh, you have to meet this green knight in three days. Well, the green chapel's, like, a day's walk away. We insist you stay until Christmas Day to, you know, like, stay here, rest up. And the Lord makes a, um, a pact with him. Like, I will bring you back all of my hunting for the day. And you give me whatever you get at the castle. Like, whatever gifts you are bestowed upon you at the castle. And he's like, what am I going to get? I was like, he's like, I don't know. You'll tell me. Which leads to, which is, this is in the poem. It's the same thing in the poem. And it's specifically three days. And in the poem, okay, this is where I, I, this is where I'm like, I like Brit's interpretation of the ending. But there's also a different interpretation you can take if you read the poem first, which I think is why I thought a different thing, because I had the poem in my brain still. So I don't know. I, I think either way is a good way to watch the movie. But basically in the poem, the three days thing happens, and the lady and Sir Gowan have a flirtatious, friendly flirtatious relationship. They don't have sex, but she does kiss him, uh two days two days in a row and then the last day she gives him a magic girdle which is a belt that and she tells him no harm will befall upon him um this movie she is much more forward with her advances and he is much more receptive to them and he kind of fails in several different ways because like you know we're not shaming anybody of like for flirting with somebody that's not what i'm saying but he has a girlfriend back at back home who gave him his jingle bell the lady asks him what's this necklace and he's like oh it's nothing and she rips it off and takes it away from him so already he's stripped of that and i wonder is that the actual magic like would he have been saved if he had kept the jingle bell who knows probably not but like so he he fails that way the lady's very smart she has a lot of books and she gives him a book that's green and then she has this weird like they're eating dinner one of the nights, and she has this weird, like, delve into, like, why is the night green? Why not blue or pink or red or whatever? And she starts talking about how the fact that green is, yes, it's the color of life and greenery and nature, but it's also the color that takes over our graves and our corpses once we are reclaimed by nature and death. Yeah. And so she's like, he must be death. And it's like, oh, took a dark turn she's also playing with tarot cards so maybe she's just having a dark moment maybe she got a wrong card i actually i actually meant to mention this earlier and it kind of worked its way back into my mind so the thing is a lot of scholars always believe that the green knight was to represent nature and by nature respect for death and what's really interesting about the mystery of this poem is that there is only one surviving poem only one surviving script for the Green Knight, and it was almost destroyed in a fire. It was yeah. literally just saved Isn't that out cool? of a fire. That's really, it's really mysterious and kind of freaky when you think about the things 
going on with this poem and it makes it yes. weird why the movie is the movie adaptation is so mysterious it makes a lot of sense yes when you research it also it's it's interesting you know sir gowan is a obviously a male character but it's interesting how the women seem to be the wheel tur- wheel turners of the plot yeah. with the Morgan aggressors and the and yeah they're like the action takers and like the lady is the one who bemuses and like philosophizes over why the color like she's actually thinking about like why and he's not thinking why he's thinking how am i going to do this so and i do find that interesting because you know it is kind of a quest for honor and i believe the the lord asks him like well what will this knighthood get you and he's like honor and it's like are, are you honorable automatically because you're a knight or could you not just be an honorable person and do good things and that's the thing is like moralistically are we honorable because people say we're honorable or are we honorable because we live our life in an honorable way and because we treat others the way we want to be treated and because we are good whether you know we can be on different angles but i think there is a there are morals that every human being agrees with don't and i do think do you want to talk about the the weird the the third okay it's also a little confusing because they had to cut some stuff from the castle to make the movie a little shorter because it is pretty long um but they had to cut some scenes so it's kind of confusing whether it's a three days that he spends there or two days there and one day at the chapel but she does give him a kiss and yeah. he gives the Lord a kiss. In the poem, he gives him one kiss on the che- one kiss uh, for the first day, two kisses for the second day, and three kisses for the third day. And in giving him the three kisses for the third day, he lies. He is dishonorable. So, and I like it in the poem because they actually like talk. I think they gave her the philosophizing um, monologue because in the book. She and Sir Gowan have a intellectual relationship where they talk about things for like all day while the Lord is gone the first day. And so and he talks about how interesting she is and she's very interested in him and it's like they're like of of equal minds. And obviously, like because Joel Edgerton's not an old person, but he's a lot older than Alicia Vikander is, or at least he appears to be in this movie because um, he, he does have kind of an old man feel about him. Um, because he's like, oh, yeah. But he's not super old, but he's, like, a well-established guy. His wife's a lot younger than him. It's probably an arranged marriage because it's the Middle Ages. So, like, probably both of them seek comfort elsewhere because that's kind of how marriages were for the wealthy and the lorded in the Middle Ages. It was very common because it wasn't a love match. It was an arranged marriage for property and for money. Um, so they're probably both, like, bored stiff because they're kind of out in the middle of nowhere um yeah. so on the third day which is christmas yeah. um he <laughs> so the lady comes to him in his bed he like wakes up and she's like right there she's like hey and she gives him this green belt that looks exactly like the one his mother gave him and he's like well that's weird and she ties it around him and she's kind of advancing on him um and he it's like he wants to sleep with her but he also doesn't want to offend the lord which is the whole thing in the 
poem is that he's like, I don't want to offend the Lord, but I also don't want to offend the lady. They're both nice people, which is why he lets her kiss him, but doesn't sleep with her when the Lord is away. So, uh, they don't have sex. Um, I think, I think they do. Decided. It's a little. No, I, I think, think they, they do. Sex. I think they do. No, no. Yeah. No, they don't have sex. She gives I, him a hand job. I don't think so. She's she bouncing up and down. Or she, she dry humps him. But there was not penetration. I think, I'll be honest, I think there was and I think he pulled out. Okay, maybe there's that. But she didn't really seem to be having sex with him. This film in what Katie, why the debate is here, is filmed in such a way, so it's kind of from their waist up. Um, the lady remains fully clothed. She kind of looks like she's wearing, like, a very nice robe. Um, and there's a lot of, like, jerking motion for the camera. Like, they're moving up and down. So we don't see where it's necessarily, like, Gawain's, like, bare, a- bare ass. But when he gets out of the bed afterwards, we see his bare ass. Um, so we know Gawain's right. naked. Um, the reason... What do you guys think? Watch I'm, the movie. Do you think they the had penetrative intercourse? Or do you think that... She gave him a hand job. I either interpretation is fine. Or the other thing I think, and this just came to me, I think the third thing is he was giving in to actually having sex with her, but he uh ejaculated too early. He had premature ejaculation and shame, like so he kind of disappointed her. Yeah. And I think what it I think this was particularly I'm gonna I use the word bitchy. Um, so we see this scene, and I, I honestly, and this is just my opinion, I think that when he felt himself starting to come, he realized what he had done. He pulls out, and he, he, he comes literally on the, the girdle, and she, yeah, the the magic girdle, and she just looks at him, and she's like, you're not a real knight, which is like the biggest fucking slap in the face, and literally, the girdle is stained with not just his seed, but his sin. It's literally stained with his sin. Yeah. Yeah. I want to read the script. I can't wait till the script comes out, because I was like, we were, all three of us were like, everyone had a, I said a hand job, Brittany said intercourse. And Taylor said, oh, maybe they're just dry humping. So, like, nobody knows. We don't know. Yeah, we don't, and, we don't like, really know. But it, it is an interesting because we were just like, where are they? Because it is like this. You could take it in a different interpretation. Because, like, me, like, saying, like, oh, they were going to have sex, but he failed to have sex with her could be why she said you're not a real knight. But it also could be that they were having sex and he pulled out. And she's like, oh, you can't finish the task at hand, you know. And see, Whatever I, think it way. Was, I think it was basically like, it's almost like for her a sick game that like he gave into her advances and she was disappointed that he gave into her. Like she was yes. like, I was able and to. And also, by the way, you. the old lady's in the room the whole time he discovers. Yes, which just freaks him out. Like, yeah, he like. So he's already yeah. ashamed, and then he <laughs> sees her, and that's when he gets up his bare ass and everything and, like, runs out the house. Like, just he takes just out. Up. like, he, And then yeah. he runs into the Lord, who is like, oh, where are you going? He's like, I gotta go to my the chapel. And he's like, oh, you didn't give me. He's like, oh, I, I have my gift to give you. What are you gonna give me? He's like, I didn't get anything, because he doesn't want to say I just ejaculated in your wife's hands. Um, So... 
the, the Lord bends down and gives him a hell of a kiss. Yes. A hell of a kiss. And and that's like, I wish I could have seen this movie twice because I wanted to hear what he said again beforehand. Um, so forgive us if, you know, we're missing something. But I feel like they're both playing sexy games with their visitor. I think they're both fucking bored. And th- he is their plaything. Oh, which I thought is that too. Interesting. I literally thought yeah. like when he kisses when he kisses Gowan, I literally the first thing in my head was open marriage. Like literally. Yeah, I think I think he went back to the castle and they laughed about it and said, "I gave him a handy, right? I oh, he ejaculated all over the, my belt. Oh, I made out with him in the forest. Ah, he's such a coward. Like I feel like they were laughing at him. So now he's super freaked out and also the catch is the fox. He gives him the fox. He says, oh, this guy was caught in a trap. You can have him. And the fox is still alive and well. And Sir Gowan and the fox are kind of running towards where the Green Chapel is supposed to be. And he comes across a boat, and the which is like, is it the River Styx? Can we also talk about, I think it's interesting, going back to St. Renifred, she was beheaded near a body of water, and the Green Chapel's near mm-hmm. a body of water. Also, it's really beautiful because everything's like very yellow, like his cloak. And then, yeah. like, the fox is red. It's it's very contrasting. But he starts going towards the boat, and the fox tries to stop him. And he's like, I have to go. And the fox, like, in one last attempt to keep him from finishing his quest, tells him that you are doomed if you go to the chapel. This is not a good thing. Do not go. And it almost sounds like his mother's voice. Yeah. Which... Yeah, and so he kind of scares the fox off, it runs away, and he gets in the boat, and he goes to the chapel, and he finds the Green Knight, and he's, like, kind of in a coma or something? He's, like, like, like slumbering. he's powered down. He's sleeping. He's yeah, sleeping. it's like C-3PO when they turn him off. Yeah. And so he sits there, and he waits all day for him to awaken, and when he does, you know, he comes, and he's like, oh, you came, and he kneels down for the night and flinches, which is in the poem. He flinches the first time. And I do also want to say real quick that there's title cards in this movie we neglected to say that. And this title card is called um, A Beheading at the Green Chapel is what this sequence is called. So go on. I'm sorry. But first Yeah, and also, like, they they do a bunch of title cards at the beginning and it's very much like the movie climax because the title the green knight isn't until the very end of the movie and i was like oh did someone see climax and decided that looks like fun um gasper no way y'all um so he flinches and the green knight's kind of disappointed and he eventually runs away yeah from his punishment and the he finds his horse which, mm-hmm. Brittany was like, oh, God, he's going to kill the horse. And I was like, oh, no. But he doesn't. And he rides away. He rides through everything he just saw. And he goes back to home. And uh, I was like, what the fuck? This is not how it's supposed to end. But don't worry. Bear with us. Do you want to tell the sequence? Because you might yeah, remember I can't. better than me. I can. So he, he goes back home. He goes back to Camelot. He's received by both his mother and his and Essel. Um, and he doesn't take this green sash off. So, like, you see him literally, like, get home, reunite with Essel. He has sex with her. Yes. And he apparently hides his cowardice. Like, he hides that. I think my understanding, this sequence is, like, it does not have dialogue. Um, 
but it's like he is crowned he's made a knight we see arthur's ill in his bed and he um knights him and then we see arthur's bed um become empty which signifies that arthur dies mm-hmm. and gowan is crowned king um and so um yes. we do see essel bear his son but the baby's taken away from her so they give her money which to me definitely says that she was a was a sex worker and that she's not good enough to be his lady so he abandons her he takes their baby abandons her and he marries like a a noble woman um and the noble woman ends up bearing gowan a daughter we see a flash forward where um Which, yeah was it just me or did she kind of look like winifred she did yeah she had like this bright red actress. hair yeah a different actress yeah. it I may not have been the same the actress yeah, different actress, but she did have that bright red hair. Um, so he marries that noble woman, um, and all this time he doesn't remove the girdle. So you see years go by, and the girdle, the green girdle's on him. As an adult, his son yes. dies in battle. And he raises his son. Yeah, his, he, he raises, raises his, his son. son, and it's it's very obvious that he's not the best dad. He's treated es- Essel like shit. His wife and him have like a cold. Not a bad relationship, but it's not a love relationship. Yeah. And he's a terrible dad because his son ends up dying in battle, and he's also really bad at war. So he's just failing as a king. He's not a good king. And, I mean, it's not like, you know, and it's one of those things where you chase glory, but are you really the best person for this job? Can you really handle it? And Gowan cannot. Yeah, exactly. He, he just is not the life for him. Um, so, and after his son dies, uh, he sees Essel in the crowd and is shamed by, like, her appearance, like, about the reminder. Um, and so we see his castle under siege. And his, his wife and his, his little girl, they flee. And Gowan just sits there and waits on his throne for his death. And he removes the green girdle finally. And as he does, his head falls off. And we see uh, this is gross. A, in a good yeah, way. It is, it's gross. And we see this as vision. And I didn't want to ruin that for you guys listening. But I told Katie, I was like, is this a vision? Is this a vision? Is this, because I just, I couldn't, I just felt like in my heart that this wasn't the ending. Like, I was like, there's no way. There is no way they're doing this ending. Like, I just kept, and then we see him back at the chapel. And, um, and so Gowan is still on the ground and he's waiting for that third swing. And he kind of has this realization, this Again, in threes. Yeah, in threes, yeah. He has this epiphany mm-hmm. that um, his courage is not going to give him nothing in life but shame and regret. Like, he is seeing this path. It reminds me of Looper. And I'm so sorry, guys, if you haven't seen that movie. But if you have, it's phenomenal. It's like he sees this path and he de- he decides to change it. Um, and so he stops the night and he throws that girdle to the ground. And he uh, prepares for death. And I don't know if you want to take over, Katie. I don't want to steal this from you, but I this is like a phenomenal final moments in the movie. I absolutely love this. Oh no, say it, say it, because then I just want to say my alternate yeah. interpretation. And so the knight divulges that the game was a test, and he praises Ga- uh, Gawain for passing it, and he just very gently uh, caresses Gawain's face, and he says, "Now, little knight, off with your head." And that's how the movie ends. Yeah. And then it just says, The Green Knight. Yeah. Card. Um, which, so, I find it interesting because we've both read the poem. But mm-hmm. Brittany had been read years. it before we watched the movie in many years. And I had it, but I, I was able to listen to it beforehand. So, in the poem, 
he has three swings. And because he told the truth and gave kisses to the Lord the first two days and lied to him the third day and didn't tell him about the girdle and just gave him three kisses, um, he his neck is saved twice. But the third time, because he's wearing the girdle and lied about it, he, he has like a an injury on his neck. It doesn't kill him, but it gives him an injury. And so basically, like, if he had just told the truth and given the girdle up, he would have been saved anyways in the poem. Um, the girdle wasn't really enchanted, basically. It Maybe it was, but it wasn't the girdle. It was his honor that saved him, basically. And it is set up by Morgan Le Fay, and he is supposed to survive it. And here's the thing is, like, I like that it's an acceptance of death because he doesn't know that's going to happen. Um, when he takes the girdle off. Like, he doesn't know that he's going to be saved because he was honest and forthright. Um, he's accepting death. And I think that is a great theme of this movie, is the acceptance of death. Yeah. And re- taking responsibility for your own actions. But I also think it can be just hubris. And it, there, there's no definitive. Maybe he died, maybe he didn't. I think if you read the poem, you would probably be like me, where you're like... He probably didn't actually die, but I think he definitely did not become king. But I think it's pretty, pretty clear that there's a strong possibility, like, yeah, his head's gone. But I also think the Green Knight's magic, and why would he actually behead him when he actually, like, took up the quest? I don't know. But I do think if he is dead, it is because he did not live up to the honor he could. Because the Lord and the Lady tested him. His mother tested him. Arthur tested him. Winifred tested him and he very rarely rose to the occasion and it's not like he's a bad person he didn't like he didn't do anything dishonorable he did but like not super dishonorable but he didn't do the honorable things because he was doing it out of the goodness of his heart he did it for greatness and not for the sake of goodness and I think that's a lesson people especially nowadays should learn is that keep your goodness um this is quoting from a movie that's terrible old-fashioned but there's a lot of greatness in the world but not enough goodness which that movie is terrible but i do agree with that there's a lot of great things in this world not a lot of goodness and i think they are telling us to be better people and not chase fame for just the sake of fame yeah and not chase glory and that's like he fails like, and in the poem, he doesn't. He's honorable and forthright and all that stuff. But this is just a more realistic version of the poem. And I like that because it, it, it teaches a better lesson, honestly. Yeah. Because not that many people are going to be perfect. Um, and it's not like he had to do that much. He just, like, 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 the simple act of, like, denying that he had a love back home. Like, of him, like, of someone asking him, what's this necklace? And him not telling them. I'm like, that's so selfish. If someone loves you and you're far away from them and someone asks you, what's that thing? And they made it for you or they gave it to you. Just be fucking honest. Be like, oh, it's my ex-girlfriend's. You know, she made that for me. And I, you know, like, just be a man. I'm sorry. That part bothered me with the jingle bells. Like, Essel is poor. But she gave you what meant something to her. You ass. I think, oh, like, sorry. I will say, to, in that, and to, to counter that defense, I think the reason they cast um, Alicia, both of those rows, was that I think it's, he was able to succumb to the lady more because she looked like Essel. 
I will argue that. Like, yes. maybe if they had cast a yeah. completely different actress. And so it's showing, like, that gray area that it's like, here's Essel mm-hmm. and the picture he would paint for her if he could. If he could make her a lady, if she yes. could be a lady, he would. And he can't. And that's that's a society thing. That's not a Galwin thing. Um, the reason mm-hmm. I keep thinking... And Katie's looking at, um, and what I love about this movie is that it can't be debated. And I love film theory, and I love debating. Yeah. That's my favorite thing to do about movies. Um, by the way, but, when we debate about themes, we're not fighting, by yeah. the way. Oh, no. We love no, the fact that we have different eyes. And that's the whole point of this kind yeah. of a movie, is that there's so many different interpretations. It's like the end of Parasite. Spoilers. Yeah. Um, you know, do we like the happy ending? Do we like the sad ending? You can take either one. Bong Joon-ho likes the sad ending, though. I and I, I do lean towards sad endings because I think there's something uh, grounded in reality. Usually, when something's sad, um, that's the reason I gravitate towards these endings. And I think, yeah, with the subtext of the script, we have the disappointment from Guinevere for him lopping off the Green Knight's head. Like she, from the moment he does it, we see it's a bad decision mm-hmm. on his part. The fox telling him the Green Knight won't show yes. him mercy. The title card of beheading at the Green Chapel. Like, Green, the speech where Green Knight is deaf, is representative of deaf. I think there's all these subtexts that, that, to the script that it is leading to Gawain's death. But the, the, the idea is Gawain does become knightly in accepting his death. It's the very first thing he... Yes. Gawain becomes a knight literally moments before he is killed. And that is a trace back to the opening scene in the movie. We see that crown on his head before he bursts into flames. Like, to me, all the symbolism is there that this is leading to his death. But the beauty of it is that he does the first knightly thing he's ever done in the whole Mm -hmm. movie, which is accept death. Yes. So there's there's many interpretations that I think most of them make sense. I'm sure there's some that don't. But I think hubris and honor, acceptance of death, I think they're all valid and I think I think they're all nice. And you know, get what you want from this story. That's one of the beauty th- beautiful things about this movie is because it is both definitive and open-ended. Like it's definitive. Like you I'm pretty sure he died. But I like that there's an option that you yeah. could take that yes, he accepted his death. But was spared, which is what happens in the poem. I think it, and also that maybe the girdle was the problem, like him trusting in an object and rather than trusting in himself and the goodness of others might have been the problem. We could talk about this for hours, um, but it's interesting, and I like that about this movie is even though it is a little long, it's an adventure movie. There's a lot of adventure and cool stuff in it, but it it takes its time to breathe. So, like, maybe maybe this isn't the movie for people who don't like long movies. Um, I also really, I like the performances. Dev Patel is just a, he's, he's just a perfect mix of this, like, like, young brazen man who wants nothing but fame. But he's also, like, he's got these beautiful soulful eyes, like you were yeah. talking about, where, like, you're like, but I don't hate him. Like, I, I think he is, he has a lot of hubris. He is an Icarus. But he's also not, I can't hate him. I don't think he's evil. I don't think, just because he does selfish things does not mean he's a bad, evil person. And I think that's an important part about this movie is it is not that he is a bad person. No, the Green Knight is not a bad person. The Lord and the Lady aren't bad people. 
It's just shades of gray, and that's what's so interesting. Also, like with him dying, I'm like, was his mother trying to kill him? Like, that's no. the other thing that comes up. I think or was I think, she the I fox think you, that was like, don't don't do yes. this. I think you hit the nail on the head. I think the Green Knight was summoned maybe to for Arthur and Guinevere, and then it was unprecedented that, especially Gawain with how she sees her son, which is like lazy, hanging out at the brothels, coming mm-hmm. home, God knows what mm-hmm. on his breath. Like she did not expect on Christmas her, Eve. On Christmas, like she did not expect her son to take up this challenge, <laughs> and everything afterwards no. is her trying to deter her son from this challenge. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of I, I I think my two favorite sequences are probably the Winifred sequence and then the ending sequence. I would agree with it's that. It's just like so interesting. I would it's almost agree like the end of things. La La Land, but this yeah. movie was much better than La La Land. <laughs> yeah, and I I will say to um to kind of pair off Katie and something. So uh, the biggest thing with this movie is that it's absolutely gorgeous. It is a beautiful film. Like if mm-hmm. you are one of those people that you can just watch something look pretty on the screen for a couple hours, this is the movie for you because it's gorgeous. Um, if mm-hmm. it is not, I I mean I do not not see this getting nominated for like best cinematography, art direction. Like it's there. Costuming is beautiful. Acting is really, really great. Uh, lighting's God, it's like a fever dream. Like you just have like these explosions of red it's, and green. Yeah. It's like these bold colors. Yellow. Um, and so yellow. Much yellow. But, Do you think it's for yeah. cowardice? Uh, it may be. It may be. Also, Maybe that's why his cloak is yellow. Because <gasps> he's a coward. Oh my God. Why did I not just get that? I was thinking what is yellow a symbol for? It's yeah. cowardice. I can also, like, it's also so beautiful that, like, anytime you see that cloak on screen, I'm like, I want it. It's, like, this gorgeous, like, gold yellow. Um, now, mm-hmm. the negatives for this movie is that it is uh, slow-paced, um, not throughout the entire yeah. film. Not throughout the entire film, but it is it is slower. Um, there is a lot of symbolism. I love symbolism in movies. Not a lot of people do. They're just like, why the fuck is there a slow crown on this burning guy? Like, wh- like you know, so that's not for everybody. Um, because of this, I think it, I can't recommend it to general audiences. I think of my husband as an everyman, and my husband was bored to sleep. I literally had to punch him like three times. During this movie. Yeah. Now, granted, it was a late showing. In his defense, yes. But also, me and him have done plenty of late night movies. I've never seen him fall asleep during. So, um, and he just was like, it's pretty, but but it's boring. Like. (laughs) Yeah. Which, and we both were like, you have no taste, Taylor. But it's fine. That's your opinion. It's fine. I will say, uh, Charlie, um, uh, Critical did the moist meter on this movie. And I was, I was curious what he had to say because he's never read Sir Gowan. And he was like, he was like, some of it was kind of boring, but I think it's really good. And I think that's kind of where we both were at. Yeah. I, like, because I think we both gave it an eight out of ten. I gave it eight and a half. So I did give it eight and a half. I know. Uh, I'm like, do I give it? I want to see it a second time before I give it an eight. You and know half. what this movie. What I think the next time. This movie actually, in a lot of ways, you're going to think I'm crazy, but it reminds me of The Lighthouse. In a lot of ways, where yes. it's like it's a yeah. it's a it's a great movie, great acting, lots of symbolism, lot to discuss, but you just can't recommend it to just anyone. Not just anyone's gonna like this. Yeah, movie. I think I do think if you are a fan of like Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter or something like that, like an adventure film or Willow, 
Um, I think you're going to be like, yes, absolutely. But I think if you're like, oh, an adventure movie and you think it's going to be like fighting the whole time, don't watch this movie. That's not what it's about. This this film is about the journey, not the destination. Oh. Anyways, did you have a Grindhouse Girls rating for this movie? I did. I, it feels unfinished but because um, I felt like I wanted to add one more thing, but then I just kind of drew a blank. But I rated it G for Ghost and Girdles. And I wanted to put Anne something, but I didn't want it to put Green <laughs> or Gowan. So I was like, what's the third G? But I put it G for Ghosts and Girdles. I had rated A for Axe-Wielding Knights and Amorous Hosts. A, I, um, that's a hard one. I'm, I'm leaning towards A, though. It's just... <gasps> wait, wait, no. I've had something even better. Axe-Wielding Assailants. Mm-hmm. Okay. And yep. amorous hosts. Okay. That being said, um, have we have we picked the movie for next week, Britt? We have. So um, you guys may have heard of this one. I actually read about it, told Katie a little bit about it, and we're kind of in the dark, so we don't know a lot about it. But I was reading about this movie that was released in the height of the pandemic. Um, the kind of small blurb I read on it was released in the height of the pandemic, wasn't really shown to a lot of critics. The few critics that saw it really kind of panned it. And somehow it got released. And it's already gaining a cult following. Um, so I don't know mm. what it is about this movie that people are latching onto. But I said, Katie, if something's going to be a cult movie, let's go ahead and get jumped on it. Um, so we're doing The Empty Man. Yeah. Which is actually currently on HBO. HBO Max. And that, is that the right? The Empty Man. Yeah. There's something about cults in it, too, and a missing child. And that's all I know about it. It's a man, and there's a missing child, and there's a cult. Which I love studying cults. I don't ever want to be in a cult, but I love studying them. It's fascinating and really depressing to study them. It's, it's fun, though, when someone gets deprogrammed, and then it's just happy. But yay! So uh, watch The Empty Man on HBO, you guys! And we'll try to make good night pretty brief tonight because there is a lot to unpack with this movie. So I'm sure this episode is going to be supersized to begin with. I will try to cut it down to less than an hour and a half as much as I can. But sometimes you got to cut out the good stuff and I don't want to do that. Um, but I do encourage you guys to see The Green Knight, read The Green Knight, or listen to it. Honestly, listen to it. It's a lot of Middle English and that's really, really puts you to sleep fast if you're anything like me. Um, so I encourage you to listen to it. Um, but this movie's really good. I hope it gets Oscar buzz because I think it's incredibly well made. And I can't wait to see more of what David Lowry has to show. And The Empty Man is on HBO. So watch that when you can. And uh, I apologize that the last two movies I suggested have cost money to watch. I don't know why I did that, but I just could not wait to see The Green Knight and just thought this would be a fun movie to talk about. And it is. It's a fun movie to analyze. I would have been di disappointed if we had seen it and we hadn't analyzed it on the podcast. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So good. But um, take your vitamins, wash your hands, get your shot, take good care of each other, and don't have hubris. Um, I'm just kidding. Um, just be, be good, guys. We love you. And thank you for listening. Thank you for following. Thank you for liking and subscribing. Um, you guys are great. Um, and weirdly, we just found out, like, our most downloaded episode is Bad Hair, which was just given out this year. So 
thanks for our most listened episode to be like a recent one because I feel like we've gotten into the swing of things now and our older episodes I'm like oh god they're two hours long I'm so sorry <laughs> I didn't know how, what to, I was afraid to cut things down at that point so anyways uh, we love you guys and thank you for listening and uh, comment like subscribe share um, anything you can do helps us out a whole lot we love you guys so much yeah, as always, um, this is a reminder, please take a drink of water, a hydration shot. Your body needs water. It's really important. Um, I hope you guys are taking care of yourself. Thank you so much for joining us on some small part of your day. We love that you decided to spend some time with us. Um, as always, like Katie said, um, please like, share, subscribe. Um, thank you so very much again. And as always, we are just looking forward to seeing you. Um, same spoopy time, same spoopy channel. Stay spoopy, y'all. Stay spoopy, y'all. Bye, everyone. Have a good night. Be safe out there. Bye. Bye. Bye, Katie. Good night. Bye, Britt. Night-night. The Grindhouse Girls podcast is a production by Katie Dale and Brittany Ray and edited by Katie Dale. All music used is royalty-free and will be in our annotations. If you have any questions, comments, suggestions, please contact us at contact us at grindhousegirlspod.com or visit our website at grindhousegirlspod.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you soon.